In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We're back. We're not even covering the draft day. We'll do a little bit of draft at the end, but we've got something to chat about first. And that is Mr. Sheldon Richardson has been cut by the Browns. Um, firstly, just before we get into all the details, he's been a great player for the team. There's no taking away from that. Um, you can argue that he, he might not be an elite, but he has been a great player and played a crazy, crazy amount of snaps last season, defensive tackle. So kudos to him and good luck where he lands. But uh, no, Ian, what do you make of it? I like Sheldon. Uh, I'm sad to see him go. He's just one of those guys personality wise. I like, and yeah, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he have what the second most snaps, I believe on defense. I mean, he, he had over 900 snaps on defense last year for the Browns. And I know that Terrence Mitchell led the way with like 1200. So this is a guy that played 75% of the snaps on the D line. I understand. I think to be fair, I have to admit when I'm wrong, I said that Charles Robinson may have speculated a little bit on his uh, tweet regarding Sheldon Richardson turns out he knew exactly what Andrew Perry was doing considering he tweeted out guys. Hey, this is what happened. This is why it happened. And I think to the point of they're looking down the road at all of these deals, I think Barry's in, I need to get as much rollover as possible because now the Browns have what $22 million in cap space. Now, you know, the best part about the release is now we can stop with the whole, the Browns have to make roster moves to get the draft capital to sign all the draft picks nonsense that's out there. I've had to correct about 30 people on that one. Um, but yeah, I think that they're stashing away some cash because Chubb, Teller, Baker, Ward, they got a lot of guys that are going to be getting paid coming up. And I think they need as much money as they can and getting as much flexibility as they can now makes sense. I am sad to see him go, though. Yeah, and, and just to touch on that, the Browns, as of today, and this is with all that money pushed into future years for the likes of Clowney and everything else, so they seem a lot cheaper than they actually are because, um, obviously, Clowney's counting at $3.9 million against the cap when we all know it's, it's 8 possibly 10 We're at the second most expensive team in the NFL. In terms of spending this year, we're not even looking at dead cap, which we're really low on. Spending on the active roster, we are a heavy, heavy spender. And that's, they, they have invested a lot of capital, but they're also aware as a team of going, hey, we want to be a good team for three, four plus years. It's not Baker Mayfield's going to retire in a year's time. Tom Brady's going to retire in a year's time. Someone, let's throw it all in. It doesn't matter if we burn the house down in, and 2023, the Browns aren't in that position. So it's it's balancing the two out. They're being very aggressive, but they're not being stupid um, and going, let's go down to zero cap. And then next year we can cut 30, 40 million out of the roster because we blew it all the year before. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that we have to look at is, is the Browns, Sheldon Richardson was not going to be the difference in whether or not you win a Super Bowl. I think we know that, right? So we look at a position like interior defensive line. And to be fair, I think the confusion, I think from a lot of fans is 
everybody has been pounding the table saying of all the positions in the draft class this year, defensive tackle is the worst one to have. They are the worst by far. And this is a guy, Sheldon Richardson, who played, you know, about 33% of his snaps on the left side of the defensive tackle position, 33% on the right side. He played a little bit on the left end. So this was a guy that was versatile. So it kind of fit what Joe Woods could use and bringing in Clowney. You think, Oh man, I got all this versatility here, but to be fair, he is 30, you know, he'll be 31. I believe uh, this season, this was an opportunity that they saw where they maybe, maybe they have a piece. Maybe there's a guy out there they feel can give them adequate production for half the cost. I don't know. I know that there's going to be people out there, people out there that say, Hey, this guy signed for 5 million. Look at his production. And then you start getting down the PFF road. And it's like, that's not real GMing. It's not like you sit there and say, Oh, this $3 million defensive tackle from the bills put up this PFF grade. We, Obviously, schemes matter in terms of production and who plays around them. So you take that defensive tackle. It's not like you're going to get a 75 grade everywhere you put him. So it's sad. Like I said, it's sad to see him go. He wasn't a Super Bowl, you know, difference maker in terms of that. The question becomes, what do they do with the money? Now, if all of a sudden they come out and sign a Nick Chubb extension that makes you, of course, happy as a pig and shit and Brown's Twitter happy as a pig, then I think we're on to something. It just depends. Barry didn't do this without having a plan. We just don't know what the plan is yet. Yeah, and I think lots of people are thinking, oh, well, this money's freed up. It could have easily already been spent based on what the team's doing. It's not like um, it's one in, one out. Um, there's only so much money to go around, and they have heavily invested in large amounts of the roster. Um, was Sheldon Richardson a great player? Yes. Was he elite? I'm going to say no. If we're looking at above average, I would say what above average. Yeah. I mean, I saw something was he the 37th ranked tackle, which puts him in the top tier of number two defensive tackles. Like if we're going, there's 32 teams. Sheldon Richardson was obviously the best D tackle on our team, but now you got guys like Malik Jackson. You need guys like Jordan Elliott to step up. You're going to have Clowney inside. His contribution was going to go down. That's the honest truth of it. And that's the thing. And it's like, it, it comes to this value point that I just bang the table over. It's like, are you providing the value that your contract is? And is Sheldon Rich, if you sign Sheldon Richardson to a one-year deal this off-season and it was $12 million one-year deal, how would you feel? And if the answer is not, I'm not excited, I think he's going to do that job, then the question is, why is he on the team? And lots of people are like, well, we've already got him. And it's like, yeah, but if you don't have to pay any money to get rid of him, just because he's already on the team doesn't mean you keep him. And it, it, fans almost need to look at that from a value perspective. A smart analytical team doesn't mean they just put numbers into a calculator and go, this is what we want. You've got to look at it and go, if we sign this person, would we, out of a lineup of anyone available in free agency, go, that's a guy we think we would happily go and pay $12 million to? Mm-hmm. If the answer is no... Why the hell are they on your team? And that's where you've just got to turn around and go, hey, they're going to reassess move. And we're going to look at the room and where that goes. But one thing I just want to touch on, they're in a dangerous position and we'll go all the way back. I'd said before when the deal was signed, John Dorsey signed it. It was a two-year deal with, they might take the third year, but it was unlikely when that deal was struck. And that's what's gone on and happened. Um they had a room where they had three veterans all in one-year deals and then one rookie. And I can only see four defensive tackles in the um, Browns final roster. There was lots of people arguing five and then 
Clowney's going to get snaps on the interior. It's like, well, you're not having six dudes playing. No, I think it's I think it's going to be four. Yeah, and I think you're going to have three guys that you know of. So you're talking Billings, Elliott, Malik Jackson. Those are your three. Yeah. So I don't what, even think what, the Browns what, need to go out what, and one, get one, hold, a hold, free hold, agent. Hold, 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 hold. One second on that before we go to it. I just want to look at the eight, uh, the contract structure because you had, were set to have three dudes on one year deals and one rookie, and you could then easily be sat in a position next year where we're looking at the 2022 room and we're going. Right, none of them guys on one-year deals played well. We've got Jordan Elliott. And Jordan Elliott is your only person under contract going into free agency in the 2022 season. You don't want to ever put yourselves in a position room where you're that light. So when they started doing deals for other guys, there was always going to be a pinch to it. But I think it's a really interesting debate now on what they do. So the hardest question for me, you've got your two starters. Malik Jackson is your three-tech. Billings is your one tech. I I can't find anywhere where they've made a solid sort of comment on how they view Jordan Elliott. And, and that's the fascinating question. Yeah. And he, Jordan Elliott, I don't think made enough splash plays to give fans confidence. Like he didn't come out and make a player two and you're like, okay, I see it. Like he was just kind of a guy. And to be fair, he was a third round pick. So it was one of those things I was happy to see him on the field, but it wasn't one of those things where you're like, oh, wow, I'm really looking forward to things to come. So it's more of the unknown. But the point that I think a lot of people are going to now is, well, who's out there in free agency? A lot of old guys. So to your point of we have all these one-year deals and one guy extend, I don't see them going out and saying Jarrell Casey or, you know, Kwan Short, you know, these guys Gino that are in their Atkins. early 30s. Yeah, Geno Atkins. Why would you go out and get them on a one-year deal? Again, they're not going to win you the Super Bowl. They're not the key piece to win the Super Bowl. If anything, you're just kicking the can down the road. So maybe there's a guy out there that they're going to seek. You know, I know Mo Hurst from the Raiders got uh, released, and he's one that we'll see. If you remember, he had an injury concern coming out of college. He he had that he had that heart issue, I believe. So you never know. There might be a medical thing where back in the day they flagged it and said they didn't want it. We don't know. Arden Key was another defensive end, but I totally expect them to have two ends that play inside and they, maybe there's a guy they like in the third round that they're just confident they're going to get and they're going to stash him because let's be honest, whoever the fourth D tackle is, he ain't going to play much. He's going to be Vincent Taylor and get 10, 15% of the snaps, but you're right. The key piece is going to be, does Jordan Elliott prove his worth? Because if he doesn't, yeah, no, and also that room's going to need a lot of work. If they see Jordan Elliott as a one-take, you're not going out and someone they've met with, a Lynn McNeil. I know you're not a fan of him. Dane Boogler is. But if if they view Jordan Elliott as a one-take, then you're not going to go and draft another one-take because you're not going to have both the rookies there. But I, th I think it gives them a really good sequencing plan, as we spoke about before, of going, hey, we've got these two veterans in here, one-year deals. Ideally, they're both gone next year because say you had – Jordan Elliott and Lynn McNeil, and they, then they both step up, and you're like, we're happy for them guys to start. Well, you just bump them up, and then you probably add a, a third veteran to the room and a, another draft pick, and you constantly sequence it through. I honestly don't think the interior defensive line, and I've said it with Berry, I don't think it's a position which he's heavily going to invest in. It's not going to be as bad as linebacker, which, whether it's shade, whatever you want to call it, they're, they're just like, we're not investing in that. Um, I just don't think there's going to be this significant investment. And we spoke about in the offseason, are they going to move the money more to the, the outside and go lighter in the middle? And people are like, oh, yeah, but you can just have both. 
It's like, we well, can't have both. Everything's an opportunity cost. You pay for A, you don't get B. Um, and that's sort of something that's there. And as soon as the Malik Jackson deal was done, we've discussed it on the podcast. Um, that was squeaky bum time, as I dubbed it, for Sheldon Richardson. Any time they're throwing four and a half million around, obviously it wasn't that because there's some incentives in there, but any time they're throwing decent money around for someone else, if you've got no guarantees in your deal, you're on the edge. I thought it would wait until the draft. And I, I think this could be one of their 50s. They're, they're 75% sure they're going to do something. And they've probably just been up front to him and gone, look, we'll let you go. Yeah. The interesting question is going to be, did the, and it'll come out over the next few days, whether he did or didn't. They might have gone to him and gone, look, we're willing to pay you eight, seven, uh, eight, ten million, say, um, one year deal. You've got to bring your number down if you want to stay. And lots of fans were going, oh, I want him to take a pay cut, but I don't want to get rid of him. And we, we've discussed this on the podcast before. It's, that's the most stupid thing anyone's ever said. It's like you can't go to someone, hey, take a pay cut. No, I'm not going to take a pay cut. What are you going to do? Uh, nothing. It's, uh, it's bizarre. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. We don't know. It, for all those out there, I know I don't think Sheldon Richardson's getting re-signed um, based on his post on Instagram. He ain't coming back. I know it's out there. But I don't think that the Browns are looking to bring him back. And also, it doesn't look like it was one of those situations where he went to them and asked for his release, given the fact that his caption was was just starting to feel like home. My guess, yes. To be fair, I would want to make $12 million next year, too. To be fair. I mean, if Sheldon Richardson got paid that $12 million, he'd have been a very happy man. The fact that he just does now not get $12 million, he's probably an unhappy man. I know I would be. But, yeah, it, it could be one of those things out there. I, I just barely... Uh, Stefanski, De Podesta, I can't see them not having a plan. And now that plan very well may be Jarrell Casey for three and a half, four million dollars. I don't know. I'm not saying that it's, it wouldn't make all that much sense in my brain, but if they need to stop gap it because there's a fourth round guy they like, I would, I would be hard pressed to believe they don't have the plan how they want to approach it moving forward. And you never know. It could be that they just use some of these edge guys more inside or they say, Hey, we don't really see much of the need. We want to create a stout pocket in the front and we just want to roll guys around the outside, you know, so we don't need an Aaron Donald per se. Now it also, it opens a door. If Christian Barmore's there at 26. Okay. That makes sense. He's the only, obviously probably D tackle that I would take before the third round. Um, then you start getting into the kid from Iowa and Ohio state and your guy that I don't like McNeil. It, it's just one of those things where, they, you never know. Maybe they really like Barmore and they're willing to give up a fourth round pick and move up a couple spots to get It's possible. Uh, um, one thing that's sort of uh, um, interest here, I've, I've had a, I've had a, a moment. It's gone, pad for a second. About the, about the draft? Yes, about the draft and free agency. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're reading my mind. So Ding. there's three areas where I could see a free agent coming in. Obviously, we've got defensive tackle now. We've obviously spoke about corner lots. And the others are safety because, hey, they need five dudes in the room. They've got their three starters. And then there's nothing under there. I think all three rooms, they're willing to test the draft first because they could get someone that they really like. The board could fall for them and they end up addressing it in the second round. And they might address it again at, say, pick 91. Um, They could easily do that at corner. They could easily get a couple of safeties in the first four rounds that 
they don't want to commit to a free agent now. And as well, lots of free agents don't want to commit now. So I think there are three positions where they might have in their head of like, look, we've gamed out different scenarios and we come away with two of the three. And then they're like, actually, it doesn't matter. If we get two of the three in the draft and we fill them, then we can go back and we can go, yeah, we're going to sign Steve Nelson. We're going to sign Geno Atkins, Jarrell Casey. We're going to go out and sign um, Trey Boston, for instance. They, they can go and fill these guys afterwards. So I don't think that lots of people are chasing around looking at the free agent names and going, ah, oh, let's go get this person. Let's go get that person. I don't think that's going to be something they actually do before the draft, unless there's some great value that sits there for them. I, it, I think it's going to wait till after the draft. It might be like after day two, they then go and sign someone before day three even begins. Um, but that's going to be something that I think the next wave of free agents additions, there will be more free agent additions are going to come post-draft rather than pre-draft. Yeah, I, I think, again, it, it speaks to the fact there's no way they went about this without a plan. Now, the question is, do they start putting the pieces in, the, in place for a long-term plan? Because ultimately, we know with only one potential young and developing talent in the D-tackle room, we're going to find out a little bit about what Andrew Barry and uh, Dee Podesta think about the position because you're right they make they went out and got vincent taylor he played adequate snaps for what it was maybe you go grab another one of those guys mid-season and there you go but no that is it for today's show and we'll be back with the draft tomorrow um linebackers two days of linebackers and let's say it's my favorite day of the year it's like christmas talking about linebackers but day three running backs after that which are fun Ooh, I, I mean, at this point, without that extension, are we talking day two running backs? Ooh, ooh. So sad. Right, Never as know. always, thank you so much for listening, guys. Have a great weekend. And as always, go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.